Chapter 10, in which a valuable lesson is learned. Later that afternoon, the fourth-year B. York students dragged themselves out of the common room to attend Lavatory Maintenance and History, with their head of house, Felch. They proudly shirked the great majority of classes, but today's lesson with dear Professor Felch, as they called him, was an exception. Even when the content was not particularly interesting, Tarkas Felch himself was always an entertaining presence to his students. Having attended Bogwart in Beyerk himself, he was far fonder of the fifth-house students than any others in the school, as was his common-law cat, Mrs. Norris. What's more, he genuinely seemed to enjoy teaching the tricks of the custodial trade, delighting in the vague notion that he, too, was moulding the magical minds of the future. Snidey, Hugo, Teresa, and their housemates stood in the sixth-floor bathrooms, awaiting their instructor's arrival. The caretaker strode in with a sack full of mops and buckets, scrubbing pads, sponges, and magical disinfectants. "'Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear, it is filthy in here, isn't it?' Felch said in his trademark purring tone, his yellowed teeth flashing a lurid grin. "'Right, grab your buckets and your mops, pair up, and each pair pick a stall to start in.' The class followed Felch's orders pairing Snidely with Jadujit, Hugo with Hideki, Teresa with Temi, and Husrau with his twin sister Khadije, among other duos. Husrau and Khadije Shirazi were a popular twosome with their fellow Meshachshachorkers. Born in Iran, while they were still toddlers, their family had emigrated to South London, where their father Rostam and mother Shirin opened Pardes, a Persian-style café that was the perfect front for their main occupation as wizard-scholar translators. Consigned to Benork mostly for their funny-sounding names, Husro and Khedije also happened to be some of the school's only Muslim students, all of whom, needless to say, were in Balahuakbork. Husro was a studious type who enjoyed mathematics and both the Mongol and magical sciences. As a result of this, he got on quite well with the similarly bookish Jadujit. Khadije, meanwhile, combined her love of numerous subjects with a highly social disposition, she often hung about with fellow fifth-house girls like Teresa and Temi, but had the good sense never to lord her impressive learning over them. Felch began the lesson by demonstrating the most effective methods to scrub urine stains out of the floor tiles, and how to divest the ancient toilet bowls of their stubbornest skid marks. While the students scrubbed and disinfected, his exposition on the history of the Bogwort lavatories inspired them with its depth of knowledge. Let's see if any of you can answer this. When were the Bogwort toilets added to the castle? The class was silent, everyone stumped by the question. None had ever bothered to even wonder about it. They, like most other castle residents, had assumed the building must always have contained some form of privy or water closet since its construction. Khadije spoke up with an educated guess. Um, 13th century, Professor? She offered as she pressed her sponge on the dingy floor. Not a bad surmise, my girl. That would make the most logical sense, what with toilet technology migrating from the Levant to Europe in the wake of the Crusades. But no! He raised a knobbly old finger and waggled it very close but no cigarically. It wasn't till the bally eighteenth century. Aye, puppets, Bogwort was well behind the curve indeed when it came to basic sanitation. But, Professor, where did they, you know, 
do all their business? A fair question, love. And what I'm about to tell you ain't summat they'll teach you in just any class. The caretaker was clearly reveling in the rapt attention of his charges. If they felt the urge, they'd just go. Any old place. Then they'd use a vanishing spell on the evidence right after. Very unhygienic, if you ask me, but there it is. He beamed with satisfaction at his stunned class, enjoying the shock on their young faces. What's this? Cossuting, sir, said Hideki, grinning from ear to ear. What about us, then, who do magic like a shit? Shit at magic, doing magic to shit, said Temmie, making everyone chuckle. Very good, Trilby. Ten points to Borok, Felch said, although he knew full well that he possessed no such point-giving powers. You're on to it, I... Bewerquers back then had to do their duty just like you lot. If they hadn't the magical skills to vanish it, they'd have to kick it into a cupboard, a closet, throw it out the nearest window. The class was fully chortling at this weird history. It was exactly the sort of gold that Felch was always good for. As the discussion of lav history continued, students' hearty laughter often rang out the corridors. Professor Felch regaled the children with tales of finding fossilized boyerk dung in the most obscure nooks and crannies of the castle, even as recently as the previous week. Just as Felch was giving the stalls their final inspection, finding them marginally less horrific than before, the students and teacher heard a low rumbling sound. It seemed to be coming from deep within the pipes, like an ominous constipation. All of a sudden, a ghastly spectre exploded right out of a toilet. It was peevish, the castle poltergeist, and as he burst from the bowl Snidely and Judderjeet had just finished cleaning, he made sure to cover both boys in filth. Peevish cackled and zoomed around the room at top speed, pelting the irate Felch and students with bits of feces. Oi! You! Get going! Get going, you Fucking nightmare! But all the old custodian could really do was try in vain to shield his balding head from the mess, running about much more sprightly than usual. Peevish continued pelting the beleaguered caretaker and his young wards, diving in and out of their toilet bowls, and hurling stinky solids and old wads of toilet paper at them. As he flew about, he sang a merry song. Pollution! All around! Sometimes up, sometimes down, but always around. Pollution, are you coming to my town? Felch and the begag orkers ran from the hideous scene, covered in the foulest feculence and micturation. As they banged the door behind them, they could faintly hear the delighted sprite shrieking after them. The bathroom's free, unlike the country under the Thatcherite hunter. Felch led the bedraggled students back to his small, dark office. There were no windows inside, and a musty, sour smell prevailed, along with a thick layer of dust covering mountainous piles of student vandalism reports. Mrs. Norris purred slowly from the corner, settled in her ancient, hair-covered bed. She despised all students in the regular houses equally, but made the occasional show of affection for Felch's charges. "'Here, since you are all such lovely students today, and you had to deal with that almighty fuck-bucket peevish, I'll let you each take one thing. He brought them to his desk, its ancient wood all chipped and dented, and opened the biggest drawer. 
Inside it, the wondering students beheld an Alibaba-level trove of contraband. This was the drawer where Felch stored every item he'd confiscated throughout the years, and he was allowing his favorite pack of hoodlums to take one dubious item each. It was no small honor, and they felt it. Choose carefully now, and just make sure you don't use any of this rubbish around me. Go bug that bitch Burbage for a start. He snorted, clearly sharing Professor Sidestra's view on their new colleague. The students contemplated, then made their choices one by one. Temmie took a fanged frisbee, a popular novelty item for the casually violent. Hugo's hand shot out to grab a flagon of what looked like homemade werewolf-strength full moonshine. Husro chose a bright packet of Dr. Eructo's belch powder, followed by Khadije stuffing as many Bailey Beetle dung bombs into her pockets as would fit. Teresa took a small jar of Bulbadox powder, unscrewing it to take a sniff before making a disgusted yet satisfied face. Hideki beamed as he picked up a large pink object that looked suspiciously like the male generative organ. He pushed a button at its base, and it began vibrating at a remarkable volume. The side of the shaft read, Magic Wand, but Hideki suspected this was a very different manner of wand, and magic, than he was accustomed to. Jadujit picked up two bars of frog-spawn soap, slipping them inside his robes with a dry chuckle. Finally, Snidely reached in, fishing out what he hoped against hope was a dusty bottle of his favorite of all tipples. A bit too worldly for fourteen was our Porpington. Rubbing the grime off the label, the lad's heart leapt to see that he'd definitely struck the mother load. McClazrach's extra-peated Isle of Benbecula fire whiskey. <laughs> Temmie eyed a yellow object in the corner. While her friends made their selections, she investigated further, finding it to be a long golden rod, not unlike a car antenna. "'What's this, sir?' Temmie asked, holding the rod out to Felch. "'That girl is my propriety probe. It's a dark magic detector, and it cost me a pretty silver druid, I can tell you.' Temmie turned the device over. On the label, she discovered someone had crossed the first word out, replacing it with a similar yet far more suggestive one. In the black, permanent scrawl of a magic-magic marker, the label now read, Perverty Probe. That's brilliant, Professor! <laughs> Temmy said through cackles, trying to show the label to the others. Did you write this? Felch snatched the detector and looked it over closely. Perverty Probe! Those wankering... Shodding little Beasleys! This really is the bloody limit! Defacing staff property! I'll have them strung up by their little... Suddenly Felch remembered that he was in the presence of underage wizards, and hastily composed himself. Right then, uh, off you trot, and don't get into too much trouble. See you little tossers later. He added the last epithet with affection, ushering them out of his office, and still muttering a string of obscenities under his breath as he shut the creaky door behind them. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to support the show, nothing helps more than telling your friends in person and spreading the word on social media. You can find our pages on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. For more info on the show, go to our website at borkpodcast.wordpress.com. That's Bork spelled B-O-R-K-E. 
Here you'll also find artwork by the authors and friends, as well as PDF copies of every episode. Thanks again, and see you next week.